A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's gonna get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. It's never an easy call with so many problems in the world to know where to direct the money that you donate when you want to help out in this world. But what I can tell you is that when you donate to CAMH, you're saving lives. We know about the opioid crisis. We know about the mental health crisis. They are doing the work. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help us treat addiction and build hope. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Okay. All right. Does that feel comfy? It feels comfortable enough. Would you like to see your brain? Yeah, show me my brain. Hello. So this might be harder than I thought. It seems that people have the idea that um, coming onto the show might be bad for them. That I don't want to use the word uh, afraid, that they're hesitant. Somehow they got the idea that I have some magical ability to make them say something that they didn't intend to say. I have no such ability, nor am I really looking to get anybody blacklisted or fired or, or sued or trolled. That's not really the idea. I, I, I'm really just trying to have conversations with people that they're having anyhow. And I'm not talking about reclusive, shy people. I'm talking about, and I say this as one of them, uh, well-known blowhards, uh, people who have a lot to say and who say it at every opportunity, opinionated people. That's who I have been approaching. And uh, some of them won't come on this show. I'm told that there were some somewhat powerful people who got very upset about the first audio podcast, about the first video, and uh, I, there's a sense that everybody else is just sort of waiting to see where the dust is going to settle, waiting to see if this is a safe place. So uh, we'll give it some time. But I'm burying the lead here because it's been an amazing week. I could not have imagined a more enthusiastic response to this show. Okay, so the numbers. It was the number one podcast in iTunes Canadian podcast list uh, for most of the first week up. We're reaching 20,000 views on the first video. More importantly, the conversations, the emails I've been getting, the comments on Reddit, on CanadaLandShow.com, on YouTube, on Huffington Post, Canada. It's It's been overwhelming and... 
it's clear to me, even at this early stage, that I have struck a nerve, that there is a need for this, and that there's an audience for this podcast. So that's a huge relief. Thank you, by the way, if you're one of the people who spread the word about this show in any way or, or took part in any of the discussion. Please continue to do so. And uh, we'll see where this goes. I think that uh, things are just going to get more and more interesting. Uh, speaking of conversations that uh, people have only over drinks, I was talking some time ago to this guy I know who um, is flown all around the country to give lectures to big companies, banks, uh, government ministries, universities about how they can embrace the Internet and modernize their organizations. And, you know, on the down low, he said to me, I'll take their money and I'll tell them what I know. But the truth is. No dinosaur has ever given birth to a mammal. It is hard for legacy organizations to suddenly become modern 21st century organizations, and it's hard for people from those organizations to talk about the problems within them. But at the same time, we do have mammals. Though the dinosaurs may still be ruling the earth, we do have mammals in this country, not as many as in other places, but, but we have some. We have some new little organisms that are not burdened by all of that history, and I, I'm just as interested in them, and uh, we're going to talk to one of them today. But before I do, I'm going to talk about another new organization in Canada, of course, my exclusive sponsor, FreshBooks. So there's a reason why FreshBooks was the first company and the only company I approached for sponsorship for this show. And that reason is that this is a company, for no clear business reason uh, of their own, has taken a position that they're going to help support the local tech scene. They're going to invest resources and time into fostering a robust tech scene in Canada. I thought they'd be a good fit because they want to push things forward. They also have a killer product, a cloud accounting service that I use, and you could use it too for free for 30 days. Go to freshbooks.com. Thought-controlled computing is something that I think the world has been dreaming about and waiting for. And the company that is closest to offering something like that is a Canadian company. The company is called Interaction, with an X. And you may have seen its CEO, Ariel Garten. She did a TED Talk. She does a lot of media. She's hanging out with Ashton Kutcher. She did an Indiegogo campaign for Interaction's brain-sensing headband, Muse, blew through its target, raised about $280,000. And that led to the most recent news, which is Interaction got $6 bucks from this venture capital fund, which is run by the wife of Li Keqing, who I think is the richest man in Asia. Now, I followed all of this with great interest because it's very interesting, and also because I used to date Ariel Garten the CEO of Interaction, and uh, she was good enough to come by with a Muse brain-sensing headband to the Canada Land studio, and here's how that went. Lee Keshing. Yeah, man. Damn. Heavy hitter. Total heavy hitter, and Selena is his wife. Uh-huh. <laughs> she sits around the table and goes, as you all know, I am Mr. Lee Keshing's life partner. <laughs> like, none of us knew that. <laughs> 
It's a fiery little woman. You're rolling with a heavy crew these days. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, it's really amazing. Okay. Like lunch with Sergey Brin and like I just. I, I want to talk about all this. Yeah, We're yeah. talking about all this. Okay. Uh, but I want to play with this toy first. So let's see. Okay, so. So. And there's f- there's four little kind of nerfy pad things that are going to go over my forehead. Yep. And then the heavier parts with like metal on them sit over my ears. You got it. I have a large head. We can make it bigger for you, so it just pulls out at the sides. Okay, good. So these four lines here are your brain. So, or rather, they are the electrical activity that comes off your head. So blink your eyes. What The green, I blinked my eyes and I saw there's a few of the lines just sort of like did a little hiccup. Exactly. Yep, so that shows you that it's live and it's real. You have a dipole in your eyes that's negative at the back and positive at the front, and as you close your eyes, it resets the dipole. A dipole? Mm-hmm. Didn't even know I had one of those. You got two. So I'm speaking now, and it seems to be affecting these, yeah, these so waves. Yeah, the, so the speaking now is a lot of your muscle activity that we're actually picking up on the sensors on your forehead and behind oh, your Oh, okay. So from here, I just have raw brainwaves on my phone because I'm a nerd like that. Um, from here, what we do is we take this information, and we're able to parse it up into different bands. So we can look at when you're focused, when you're relaxed. We can then use those things as control signals. So your level of focus and relaxation can then be used to control content on screen. Or we can actually show you what's on your mind. We can show you your level of engagement, your level of relaxation. We can let you do exercises to improve your cognitive function, your tension, your working memory, to help you decrease your stress. But if you fed that data, I've seen in your other material, like you Mm -hmm. feed that data into a video game where the more I focus, the higher a number gets. And then the more I relax, the higher a different number gets. Exactly. Okay. When you say thought-controlled computing... Mm -hmm. What comes to mind is, I mean, you know, I control computers with a keyboard. Mm-hmm. I control computers with a touchpad. I control my iPhone. So I'm thinking of the, that this is an input device. This is a way of pressing icons and running software. The common extension of like, where's all this going? And people think, well, today I'm controlling it, you know, with a keyboard. And then the day after that, it was with a mouse. And then it was with this, this touch screen. And next thing you know, I'll be controlling it with my brain. But that's not really what... Like that, that, that's pretty impossible right now, right? So we're still at the stage of technology where control is very simple. You know, you've got two dimmer switches that you can move up and down. In a few years, you'll have a, a bit more discrete control, but control is not actually the best use of the technology, neither here nor in the future. In the far future, 25 years from now, you probably will be pretty naturally controlling stuff with your brain. But the technology will also have a deeper and more interesting aspect, which is that it allows technology to understand you. So your phone will know when you're asleep and, you know, turn off. I can do that already. That's a very simple application that I can do today. We'll be in the space of responsive technology. Your iTunes playlist will know that you're depressed and suggest music that it knows has made you happy. Your house will know that you are cold or frustrated and, 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 and be able to shift and accommodate in order to allow you to move more seamlessly through it. Okay. But it would be pretty amazing if you actually could move a cursor left, right, up, down, button press, button depress. If you just had those basic controls and I could like focus on a cursor and move it around, that would be the way that we control all of our gadgets from now on, were that possible. What you're talking about seems like, well, we can't do that, but we can do this other thing. So let's see what we can do with this other thing. Uh, so to correct you, in five years, moving a cursor left, right, up, down, button press, button depress is totally reasonable. The question is, is it the best use of the technology? For a long time, it's probably going to be more efficient or more interesting or more simple 
to do that with your hands. But there are other things that we can't do. It's hard for us to have knowledge of our internal state and communicate that to our technology before we even know about it. I might be using my computer and I might get really frustrated about something and that sense of frustration gets in the way of me even figuring what the problem is. Well, if my computer knows that I'm frustrated, even before I start to realize that I'm getting all irritated and agitated, the computer can say, hey, we noticed you're getting frustrated. Let's do this thing that we actually have noticed makes you much less frustrated every time we do it. You know, let's change the size of the interface. You can interact more effectively. We can see you're straining at it. We can see you're, you're, you know, you're trying to focus very hard and you're squinting. Let us make the print bigger for you, and that's going to make life easier. It's scary. It's a little bit scary. A lot of the issues that I've been covering around technology have to do with having control of your technology and not having yes. other parties imposing control on you or snooping on you. And yes, yes, this yes. sounds like a little bit of a challenge to that mindset because it is a circumstance where your technology kind of knows you before you know yourself or is making decisions for you and you're not necessarily saying, I want this to happen. It's it's saying, oh, Jesse's sad. Let's play this song. Well, so I completely agree with you and Radio Land can't see me nodding my head as you talk. So I believe in human agency first and foremost. I actually don't care that much about technology and I think we're far too obsessed with technology these days and how technology is going to change our lives and solve our problems. There are lots of ways that technology subtly shifts to support you that you don't realize. For example, when I'm talking on my phone, the screen shuts off. It knows that I'm talking on it and so that I don't accidentally press it with my cheek. Mm-hmm. So there are lots of ways that technology already subtly anticipates us in ways that are not reductive to our agency in any way, shape, or form. They simply facilitate the interaction with technology in the world around us. In examples where, you know, I'm depressed and so my phone is playing a song, you might have noticed the example that I gave was your, my phone will tell me, hey, we noticed that you're depressed. Hey, would you like us to play this thing that we've noticed makes you happy? So one of the great problems that we have as humans is lack of self-knowledge. So if technology can help to intervene in this process and help us to show a part of ourselves that until now has remained hidden, that could probably be a really helpful thing in helping us increase our agency and self-control. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. 
it is a mattress that sleeps cool. It doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Do you ever see that movie Zapped where the guy uses his brain to like make girls' skirts go up and stuff? <laughs> I didn't. Probably not, uh, you know, supportive. <laughs> not an application of the technology that I'd support. You put something like this out there and... Um, I think, as if I understand Muse and, and how it's initially being marketed, is this isn't a way of controlling your computer, but we have some apps and games that will allow you to almost meditate and get control of your focus. And this will be something that will you'll become more aware of how your brain works and when you're focused and when you're relaxed, and it'll you'll have more mastery of yourself and you'll feel better. And and it's the good, it's therapeutic. Am I on the right? You got it. Right. So hang I, on. And that seems to me like when you look at like a good marriage between what the technology is actually capable of doing and and a beneficial application thereof, that seems like you guys have, have connected the dots in, in a really you know logical way and, and perhaps a marketable way. Once this is out there, and I imagine there's going to be, uh, what do you call it, an API, who the hell knows what people are going to do with it? So uh, to that end, I've created the International Center of Brainwave Ethics, ICBE, and that serves to bring together people from- You've created from... the ICBE! <laughs> yes. Someone had to. Um, is somebody this a good had time to. to mention that we dated? Is that an odd? Th- would you? Ra- I, 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 if you're embarrassed by that fact, we do not have to include this in the show. I'm engaged. You're married. It was a long time ago, and uh, you're obviously, engaged. I am. Mazel tov. Thank you. That's fantastic. Thank you. To to Chris, of course. Yes. Lucky guy. That's amazing. Thank you very much. Congratulations to you both. I remember. This is like seven years ago or something when you started to take neuro linguistic. Programming, programming yes. like night courses. And yes. I'm like, what's that? And you explained it to me. I had no understanding whatsoever of what you were doing. And then not long after, like, oh, I'm, I'm an NLP. I'm a therapist. I, I, I'm, I'm a professional with NLP. And then I'm like, wow, that was quick. And then a flurry of activity later in Facebook updates, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm hanging out with uh, Sergey Brin, and uh, was that was it Larry or was it Sergey? It was Sergey. It was Sergey. An Indiegogo campaign that just uh, that just hit its target, millions of dollars in VC, and you're like writing the international ethics code for this kind of technology. Uh, word up, way to go! <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. It's something that I admired about you. I'm a person who's like, I'll have an idea to do something. I'm like, yeah, but what the fuck do I know? I'll kind of go to bed thinking that that's a great idea. And then I'll wake up being like, who's going to buy that I could do that? Or like, I'm, you know, I'll be outed as a fraud and I shouldn't even, you know, just racked with self-doubt. I'll eventually do something, but it has to kind of like stew in my brain for a couple of years until the level of disgust with myself for not doing it outweighs the fear and shame that I might do it poorly or not be regarded well for it. And then I'll do it. You didn't seem to have that faculty. You used to be in fashion. You're just like, well, if I'm going to be in fashion, I'm going to be a fashion designer, right? And I'm going to have a, my own store. And and you did. It feels like there is a mechanism that is absent in you that doesn't really help me to have it present in my brain. 
So I think I've been very lucky. Uh, thank you, by the way. I've been extraordinarily lucky um, where I was brought up in an environment which anything, in which anything was possible. Mm-hmm. And in an environment in which anything is possible, you can dream. You can imagine that you have you know, some small set of the skills and capabilities required to take the very first step. And then you take the very first step. And then once you've taken the first step, you start to sort of galvanize some interest. And then you take the next step. And um, if... So I think that mechanism that you were referring to is this sort of sense of self-limitation, mm-hmm. the the sense that, oh, shit, I can't do something or I'll be embarrassed or I'll, you know, screw up or somebody um, or I'm not supposed to do that. Or that just human existence is a futile, rude joke and that all ends in death. And so why bother? There's that, too. But There's yeah. also that, too. So yeah. probably one of the greatest schisms between us is I am hopelessly optimistic. Right. <laughs> and you're not always the same. Yeah, maybe not. No, I, I uh, it just manifests itself differently. But I think that that's uh, it, 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 we, I can only imagine how nice it must feel to be free of that, and then you can just sort of do anything. Yes, mm-hmm. and not to like put this back to a shameless plug. But that's exactly what I was hoping to give to other people in the creation of this tool. So the creation of this tool is a mechanism through which people can. Look at their limitations, look at the emotions and the feelings that come up when you don't want to do something or it feels icky or it feels bad and say, hey, that's just a feeling. I don't need to be held back just because there's this sensation that arises. It's tied to, you know, something in my past. I don't have to worry about it. I can live through that sensation, move forward and do whatever the fuck I want to do. I can be free to live my life. <laughs> this will make people free to live their life. Okay, listen, I, I, I want I need to make a, a distinction here because it, like I, I feel like really uncomplicated and unambiguous that, that I, I think it's amazing what you've done. I'm like just so happy for your success. As a journalist, I'm <laughs> skeptical by nature and by, you know, like as my, a scientist, I am also totally skeptical by nature. You have a so, device that is measuring electric waves come out of my brain. Um, let's back up. So what we have right now is a device that we have optimized to help you really do mindfulness meditation. So we sat down with hundreds of people during the course of meditation, some of them novices, some of them experts. We looked at their brain activity during meditation. We tried to find correlations. We found that there's a number of correlations. You have a downshift in alpha, you have a higher alpha peak, you have theta coherence, um, you have a number of things that are distinct and noticeable and that are also strongly correlated with literature, strongly correlated with the neuroscientists that we work with at institutions like Yale, blah, 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 blah. And so we sat down and said, okay, we can see this stuff. We can see it's kind of all over the place, but there are some some threads of patterns that we can pick out. We know that the technology is pretty limited in its capabilities right now. This control thing is in the future, exists, but it's in the future. There are just basic things we can do now. But one of the things that we really can do is track people's mindfulness, tell them when they're mindful and when they're not. I actually was not into mindfulness at the beginning. It took a lot of convincing for me. My scientific mind was like, okay, you're going to tell me that I sit there and I close my eyes and I breathe deeply and like my life is going to be better. Um, so we brought in a mindfulness professional. We had somebody teach us mindfulness. A like mindfulness one, professional. Totally, totally on staff. To right. Teach us mindfulness every week. And I started to notice my staff say things like, yeah, I'm much more relaxed. I didn't react to that as quickly. Oh, I can see what I'm doing in my day. I can see why that frustrated me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we said, okay, this mindfulness thing really kind of has some legs and right. shitloads of scientific validation. So what we're building now really is a mindfulness tool. Mm-hmm. Um Will somebody use it and magically be able to do better at their life? No, that's totally stupid. 
Will somebody through consistent application of this tool, of this practice, find, you know, benefit over the first three to 10 sessions? Fuck yeah. Yeah. You know, skepticism can, can be a real limiting factor, too, and is, totally. is, is by no means more of a pathway to truth. I have no idea what other people are going to make with this this tool that you're unleashing upon the world, but that seems like a very, you know, that, a very beneficial first foray, first step into like, here's what here's what you all might do with it. And and uh, you, you, let's, let's back up because you were saying earlier that you, in terms of how people use it, you've got some document trying to kind of make them use it for good and not for evil. So the International Center for Brainwave Ethics brings together experts from policy, eHealth Canada, ethics, information security, biosecurity, um, and we've put together a set of standards that govern ethical use of the app, of the technology. So that includes data storage, privacy, ownership. So, you know, basic tenant is that you always own your own data. Right, because um, you're creating a, a very interesting new data point. I mean, we've got yes. all this NSA talk about people's GPS coordinates and their conversations. Now you've got like, oh, I've got a record of Jesse's stress. We've got 30 years of documented hysteria. And and so that's, that's something that I should have control over. No, no one that. should know. HIPAA and PHIPAA standards, so the same standards that you use for health data and medical records, um, to ensure that that data is safe, it's stored, and it's yours. Mm-hmm. And then we're also creating certification, so anybody who comes out with technology that's built on our anybody else's brainwave technology, you can look at it and you say, okay, has the ICBE and this group of scientists from X, Y, and Z actually validated that the claims that they're making are correct, that the way that they're storing their data is actually you know, appropriate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Personally speaking, I mean, how often do you use your Muse? Um, So I totally love my Muse. I'd say I use it three times a week simply because it's sitting in a demo booth and it's always occupied. Mm -hmm. So everybody in the office rotates and uses it. Uh Uh-huh. Is this something that you feel has brought you some greater degree of, I don't know, I don't know which one you're after. Are you after focus or are you after relaxation? I think Um, you, you probably would be after... I don't know, actually. I'm, a, I'm, I'm actually after both. So one of the first things that happened, actually, was I realized how much I was not focused. And so I know as I – the company is now 35 people. There's a thousand demands coming at me at every moment in time. Um I am supposed to sit down and read this long email that somebody from manufacturing sent me, and the phone is ringing. My assistant wants something. Marketing needs something, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It is easily crazy-making. So important to me was both the ability to remain calm in these situations and the ability to say, okay, all this other stuff doesn't matter. I'm allowed to take three minutes and focus, quiet my mind, just focus and attend to the document in front of me and read the whole thing from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. Because I started to notice um, that I was just all over the place because there were so many demands coming in. I didn't even... I didn't have a dialogue about the importance of focus in my life. Yeah, neither did I, like, till I had kids. I really resisted this idea that, like, that that's vice, you know? I have an urge. I'm addicted to my phone. Fight the urge. Fight the urge. So I was like, this is where it's going. Let's just <laughs> give into it totally. I can handle it. I, and it's – I like it. I like having something – Every 20 seconds new popping it up. distracts you, yeah. I like the distraction. I like having, you know, just that little endorphin rush when your phone, oh, some someone somewhere wants my attention for a second. It <laughs> could be something great. Somebody uh, loves me. Yeah. I, I, and, and, and I, I, 
it's like any drug. You're chasing the dragon. You know it's not that. Like, it's 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 very rarely the email, like, you've won a million dollars. That happens not so often. Usually it's like, somebody's spamming me, and it took my attention away from my kid. I've been really reluctant to enter into some kind of regimen of detox from that because, I don't know. Because it's still fun and because that little dopamine hit is still compelling. And because it's also- I don't want to live in, in, a, in a constant state of self-abnegation and yes. denial. And, 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 and Yes, and fighting with the sensation yeah. of wanting to answer your phone. Yeah. Like, is that being present? Forcibly constraining? That, that just feels to me like being You're some, constantly quitting smoking is what it feels like. Yeah, it just feels to me like you're some kind of like crazy conservative Christian. Like, I will never masturbate. I will never masturbate. <laughs> I'm not even going to think about it. Like, let the tech wash over me. Let it wash over my children. Let us all just give in to this completely. And, and everyone is struggling with this. Everybody feels so conflicted and ambivalent about the technology that we're hopelessly involved with. I don't know if there's a question in there. I'm sorry. No, amazing. Amen. <laughs> um, but in a way that I wouldn't get into like transcendental meditation, I would, I, I would try out a muse, you know. And that's an interesting thing, too, is like you actually, if you make something look like an Apple product, you can get somebody to do anything, right? So a lot of people who maybe could have achieved the exact same ends through meditation of some kind, but who never would have. Yeah, totally. I mean, meditation is free. Anybody can still do it. Yeah. Um, it's a much cheaper solution. But there's a whole swath of people who perceive that differently and who are interested in technology solutions, are mm-hmm. interested in something to hold their hands and guide them, and are just interested in cool, awesome-looking gadgets where you get to, like, fuck around with stuff with your brain. Mm-hmm. What is your life like now? It's, it feels like it's uh, pretty different from when I knew you. It's really fun. Yeah. It's really, really fun. Um, I am traveling probably, you know, two weeks out of the month. I just went San Francisco, New York, Toronto, then Dallas for a brain conference, New York to meet with Scientific American Forbes and Austin Hurst, my investor. We had breakfast. Like, But that sucks, all that travel. Everybody thinks that that's really sexy, but like that, that's like a pain, right? It's not. Okay. Maybe this is where, this is where the schism comes in. I mean, I am uh, – I get to see the world and I get to meet fascinating people. And Are you flying business class? No, I'm not interested in flying business class. All right. I'm tiny. You right. know, I really don't need the extra leg room. Yeah. Yeah. And so I also don't want to ever, I don't want to ever feel like travel is this thing that is onerous or boring. You get to end up on the other side of the world and complaining that you have to like check your luggage or wait for half an hour for your seat is it's kind of silly for the benefit of ending up on the other side of the world. The Louis C.K. argument. How did Sergey Brin do? <laughs> Sergey Brin did great. Sergey is so hilarious. Um, he's this um, he's a small little man yeah. with tons and tons of energy, and he was like kind of nervous and jumpy the entire time. And he had arranged a group of his friends to have lunch with us and try it out, um, as well as like the the head of a number of different departments that he had sort of come in and pull by, I pulled into meet the meeting as we went. He was really nice. He was great at using technology, you know, super sweet. Bounced all over the place, showed us his self-driving cars. He was like a little boy. He's like, oh, what can, we, what can I show you next? I know, to the garage. I'm not supposed to take people there, but we'll take you anyways. Right. At the end of lunch, he felt bad that I didn't eat enough and carried my dishes to the kitchen. Oh. Yeah. And uh, is Google going to buy this thing? Uh... No comment. Okay. What if you hook this thing up to the internet? Well, you could, you know. You know what? I'm going to stay in no comment land. You could, like, hook it into music apps or things. I'm, I'm just trying to think of, like, things you could do that aren't trippy. 
But I guess that's the fun, right? And and there will be an API. Yes, Is there there's an, API? an a- there- uh, there's an SDK. Anybody can download the SDK. You can make simple and fun applications yourself um, if you can program. Mm-hmm. From simple remote controlled RC cars, games that you play. Eventually, we'll have this little experimental sandbox so that you can run experiments yourself. Like, what does my brain look like when I X, Y, and Z? And our developers out there, like, do you have a lot of people? Yeah, we have. Hundreds of developers already signed up. Um, and you're doing this all out of an office here in Toronto? Right down at King It's Banana. Okay. How many people you got there now? Uh, 35. 35 people. Yeah. Do you like being here? I mean, at a certain point, you might have to make a decision as to whether or not this is the right place for the for the company or, or somewhere else. I couldn't imagine a better place for the company right now. Mm-hmm. Everybody always says, oh, San Francisco, San Francisco, which is really nice. I love San Francisco and I'm there often. But the competition for talent is so high. You know, there are business-based benefits to being in San Francisco, but as far as actually running an effective company, being in Toronto means that we have extraordinary talent. I mean, I'm within blocks of the University of Toronto. Then we also have OCAD, Ryerson. There's Tons of talent right where we are, Waterloo, McMaster. I have research programs going with like half of those half of those institutions now. And I get shred credits. So in the Valley, you might get a developer that you have to pay $150,000 a year for to retain him. Mm-hmm. Um, he will probably be poached by somebody else three weeks later if, you know, you don't give him enough massages and fan him effectively enough. Right. And... Like, it's just this constant and painful struggle for resource. But is the level of talent as high here? Because if those people could go down to San Francisco and and get massages and six-figure salaries, then then why are they here? We also give you massages. Um, um, The level of talent here is just as high. Yeah. So what do you think needs to happen, all optimism notwithstanding, there's room for improvement and there are things that could be better. Totally. So what needs to happen here? We need to change the narrative. Mm -hmm. So the narrative used to be about brain drain. The narrative was Toronto is boring or Canada is state or things here are expensive, um, but well-made. And we need to start changing that narrative. Toronto is incredibly dynamic, full of tech companies, full of opportunities. You know, McGinty poured tons of money into innovation. And as far as government incentives go, like we are highly incentivized to stay and lots of other companies are highly incentivized to grow. Um, I started to mention shred credits. Like, I get 40 cents back on the dollar for every developer that's engaged in R&D. Uh-huh. That's astounding. Right, right. Um, so what needs to change? We need to fund our companies effectively, which we're starting to do. Um, and we need to change the mentality of it's Canadian, therefore it has to be small or it can be small. We need to start – I refuse to use the term thinking like Americans, but there is – There is a sort of like, you know, bombastic, go bold or go home American mentality, which very interestingly is actually executed more effectively in Canada because we can take more risks. So in the U.S., it's really hard to become an entrepreneur because you need health insurance. So you feel like you have to work at a company because what if you were to get sick? You know, it becomes very, very, very expensive. In Canada, because we have the social safety net, um, people can actually take much greater risks. Yeah. Okay. I don't know that a lot of 18-year-old computer programmer kids in the States are holding off on entrepreneurial efforts because they're afraid about health care. No, but a 32-year-old is. Yeah. Yeah. I know from having this conversation with lots of Americans. Right. No, I'm sure that that is a limiting factor, though it hasn't stopped them from being no. the world leader in the tech space. But <laughs> but but that is something that that's a leg up we have on them that we, that we could exploit, is what you're saying. Yes. You know, Silicon Valley has a, at this point... 
30, 25 year history of doing this Mm -hmm. and supporting tech innovation. It has tons and tons of people who have all made millions of dollars. And so they can just give somebody a hundred thousand bucks and see what happens. Isn't money just bonkers there? The whole concept of money just- Money is absolutely bonkers. I can't tell you how many Teslas I've been driven home in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know what that's about. (laughs) What was it like? a really big screen. Right. We also have to understand that Silicon Valley is an absolute total exception. Mm-hmm. And it is a beautiful and amazing space if you are in a, you know, high growth, early stage startup tech company. But we are now saying, okay, well, let's look at the absolute best, weirdest, most amazing thing in the entire world and wonder why Canada's not like that or Toronto's not like that. Right. Um, if we looked at- The point is not being like them. The point is, what can we do here? Yes. I mean, if you want to look at Chicago or Dallas or, you know, just about any other U.S. city, you're not going to see that they are doing so much better than we're doing. Yeah. And, and these measures are probably, in many cases, doing a lot worse. Mm-hmm. So um, so a company like yours, I mean, you're going to bring a product to market. Mm-hmm. But there's the exit is usually acquisition. The exit is either acquisition or IPO. Yeah. So you will be, one imagines, a very wealthy young woman soon. And Probably then, not soon. No? What do you, what's your forecast for how long this is going to take? Um, at minimum three and, you know, at most eight. Uh-huh. That's pretty soon. And then what are you going to do? Well, then I'm going to go out and help the world in every way I can. <laughs> Isn't that the expected answer? No, but what are you going to do? What you, like, what would you actually... <laughs> As much as I fear poverty. The, the fear, fear of not knowing what to do next. and I have a number in my head that I'm like, if I were to win the lottery or one of or some project where we really take off, what's the ideal number to get? And I kind of just like bargain in my head with fates of like a very modest number that would like pay off a mortgage, but I'd still have to do, write blog posts when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> because if it was anything in excess of that, that would make it silly to actually just do my job every day. I have trouble conceiving of what my life would be like and how I would adapt to that change. I don't imagine that you're a person who worries about that. No, my entire life has been filled with having an idea that I think is really cool and I want to pursue and doing it. And I don't imagine that is going to change. Um, just the resources that I have at my access to, you know, create those ideas and make them happen and spread them widely and engender a better and better change with it is going to become easier to access. And you have a tool that will help me make my brain more like yours <laughs> in that respect. All right. Well, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much. Cool. For, thank uh, you, Jesse. Yeah. All right. That's the show. Listen, if you are listening to it before the evening of Tuesday, October 15th, come on out on the evening of Tuesday, October 15th to the Gladstone Hotel. If you happen to be in Toronto at 7 p.m. for the launch party of Canada Land. What else can I tell you? Our website is at canadalandshow.com. You can email me at jesse at jessebrown.ca. I'm on Twitter at jessebrown. Thank you for listening. The next podcast will be up on Monday morning. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada Land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? 
you can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.